0: You're listening to sermon audio from Piperton Baptist Church in Piperton, Tennessee. For more information on how you can get connected with PBC, please visit www.pipertonbaptist.com. Go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read that in just a moment. Last week, Paul took us uh, back to where the gospel began, the gospel roots, the origin, which was the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not from man but from god 's revelation to man through two different ways: general revelation that 's creation and special revelation that 's the scriptures, the holy Word of God and then we talked about how god 's story and my and my story you have a story if you 're a born again believer, those are the two legs that our faith stands on, and they in themselves have truth and power so we 've already Uh, seen several validations of the gospel message Paul was preaching. And that message was grace through faith alone, not by works of the law, right? That's what Galatians is all about. And Paul gives multiple authenticating truths to his messages. And many of those are of his personal authority. You know, we talked about how he, his claims to apostleship, obviously, he's talked about how he received this independent of any man. But in that conversation, Those Galatians could be getting the idea, if Paul wasn't careful, that it's all about Paul, right? It's all Paul the Apostle. But Paul's about to make clear in our passage today that he and his message are authenticated from all angles, right? Now, Paul was confident of his message, but that didn't mean that he was scared of critique and criticism. Actually, Paul sought out transparency probably more than any other servant of the Lord since King David himself back in Psalm 139 we have a perfect segue to our passage today all right so I'm going to actually read an Old Testament passage though the context is different the principles are are the same yeah, to set up our New Testament passage today, all right? This is Psalm 139. You can just listen. Psalm 139, verse one through 10, and then verse 23. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Every, even before a word is on my tongue. <laughs> Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. "'You hem me in, behind and before, "'and you lay your hand upon me. "'Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. "'It is high, I cannot attain it. "'Where shall I go from your spirit? "'Where shall I flee from your presence? "'If I ascend to heaven, you are there. "'If I make my bed in Sheol, the grave, you are there. "'If I take the wings of the morning "'and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, "'like a a flock of geese migrating, you know, "'across the ocean.'" You're there. Even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. That's David. There is a strength and a power and an authority that comes with transparency from all angles. Now, I'm not talking about uh, foolish naivety that sometimes shares more than needed or requested. <laughs> We've all been part of those uh, TMI conversations. Amen? Can I get a witness? Those that aren't amening are the ones that start the awkward conversations, all right? But Paul is an open book. He's ready for critique and defense of the gospel from every angle. Pick it apart if you want. And in Galatians 2, Paul's about to display the principal attributes that David displayed back in Psalm 139 before God. So let's read Galatians 2, 1 through 14. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality Those I say who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, that's Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars Perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me. They gave approval that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, that's Peter, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, meaning free of the law and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? I want to ask Vicki Foster to come. And ask God's blessings on our message today. Let us pray. Father God, I come to you this morning, and I want to thank you for the service we've had so far, for the music, uh, the worship, the praise, and everything has been just right in line with what Wynn is presenting to us this morning in his message, Father God. I want to thank you for the message in Galatians that he's presenting, I've never heard it preached before, and I'm thankful that I now hear it. So God, I ask you to be with Wynn as he preaches this message that you open our ears, open our hearts to receive, Father God, that, that you have us receive. Um, I also want to pray for schools as the children's about to go back to school uh, in the following days. Father God, I pray that you be with the children, uh, put a hedge of protection about them, Father God, and just lead them and guide them and direct them in all your ways, Father. Uh, Thank you for this church, and I thank you for the leadership, and I just want to ask you to bless all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Vicki. Uh, there's a lot going on in this passage, right? And it's it's really easy to get lost in what Paul's trying to say. I mean, he's talking about 14 years, multiple names, multiple meetings, secret spies confronting uh, Peter. Uh, what What is this? What is he getting at in this passage? Well, transparency is what he's getting at, right? Just as David said to God, search me and try me. I believe Paul is saying the same to the Galatian believers who are running back to rules, right? Lest you mistake, Paul is saying, lest you mistake me for some lone ranger, I'm here to tell you I am not. Search me and see. And we love the idea, especially in America, (laughs) of being rebels and renegades, right? Seems cool, sometimes noble even, right? But Paul's no renegade, Yes, he's clear and bold enough to trust the gospel's power, but he's also wise and humble enough to be accepted and affirmed by others. Which leads to the first point this morning, and that is private accountability. Galatians chapter 2 verse 1, then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation set before me though privately before some who seemed influential the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain and three things stand out to here that stand out in this passage Paul had private accountability first he had accountability in his relationships it reminds me of a song y'all may remember this song do we have it there Three Dog Night for you this morning. That was actually, hey, by the way, before Harry Styles, you young people, there was Harry Nielsen, 1968. Thank you very much. All right? Now that song is kind of depressing. But I was, I don't know why I like music so much, but I was looking this song up. I love the history of music, uh, of certain songs and why they're written And it's a depressing song, but it it actually was created out of something funny. He, He made a phone call and this was before cell phones and he called a friend and he got a busy signal. And that's why, that's what inspired that dun, 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 dun. It was the busy signal, right? He was all alone, little Lone Ranger. It's always seemed interesting to me that Paul is often seen as like a James Dean of the Apostles, right? A rebel, well, he was a rebel with a cause, right? But Paul wasn't a loner because Paul, look through Scripture, he's almost never, I don't know that he's ever alone except in prison Right, and even there, he had people coming to him, and I think he wants to make clear to the Galatians that he did not shy away from people and accountability. First Thessalonians five eleven. Most of these scriptures I'm going to read. Many of them or a couple of them were written by him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Romans twelve ten. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Paul will later say in Galatians six uh, verse two bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You want to do the, you want to fulfill the law. Here it is. Love one another. Many believe Paul wrote Hebrews three, uh, or he Hebrews the book of Hebrews. And in chapter three, verse 13, he, he says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I love that. As long as it's called today. Because we think about saying something encouraging to someone else, but then we just don't say it. We just don't text it. We just don't send the voicemail. We're just like, ah, you know, no big deal. First John four seven, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not Y'all don't know that old old school song. First Peter four ten. As each has received a gift, use it to serve. One another. Y'all are getting the hang of this. James five, sixteen. Therefore confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Church, I could keep on going, just with raw scripture for hours. I preached several years ago from Romans sixteen. And I'm not going to run us back through that exercise I gave you all, but in your free time, read Romans chapter 16 and circle how many individual names Paul mentions there. In verses 1 through 15, he greets 25 specific names, but in total, he mentions 33 individual stand-alone names, plus... Rufus's mother, Nereus' sister, that's 35. Then you have all these groups of unknown numbers that would uh, appear to total more than 40 to 50. Church, verse one, church at Centria, verse five, church in Priscilla and Aquila's house, verse 10, the family of, of Aristobulus, verse 23, the whole church, J. Vernon McGee said, Romans 16 is where Paul comes down from the peaks of doctrine to the pavements of Rome. Here we see Christianity in action. The the great doctrines which Paul proclaimed are not missiles to outer space. They are vehicles which operated on Roman roads. The gospel was translated into life and reality. Church, it's the same for Paul to the Galatians, right? And to every church he planted, for that matter, and to every disciple he made. People matter to Paul. He submits to them. In this passage alone, Paul mentions Barnabas, Titus, Peter, James, John. Paul didn't have some generic friend group. Paul names names all the time, good and bad. And I believe Paul values relationships and he wants the Galatians to see that. Paul had private accountability in the example of his own friendships and relationships, people he submitted himself to. Second, he had accountability in his revelation. Now, I don't mean the revelation of the gospel. We talked about that last week. I mean Galatians 2, verse 1 uh, and 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, verse 2. I went up because of a revelation, right? What this means is that Paul didn't go up to Jerusalem to discuss grace versus works, you know, circumcising Gentiles when they didn't need to be. thats He didn't go up because the church told him to or commissioned him to or laid hands on him and sent him to do that. He went up because the Spirit of God prompted his heart to go up. And I don't think this meeting is a reference to Acts chapter 15. A lot of uh, commentators think that this is Acts 15. Acts 15 is called the Jerusalem Council. It was the more formal meeting where all the uh, kind of Christian leaders got together and discussed uh, whether the gospel should go to the Gentiles. But I do think this conversation, these meetings he had with Peter, James, and John, I do think, and Barnabas, maybe some others, I think it prompted that later meeting but I believe Paul saw that this growing divide was happening in the church. And he saw the need to kind of be a glue, a, a un- to bring unity and clarity. The circumcision wasn't necessary for the Gentiles to be saved. So the Holy Spirit prompted Paul to prompt some meetings. That's what happened. Two weeks ago, I told you about the meaning of our son Salem's uh, name, Salem Creed. Fox actually a couple of weeks ago at prayer meeting, Brian came up to me. And goes, you know, Brian, our electric guitar player, and he said, you know, uh, my son's middle name is is Apollo, so our sons' names together are Apollo Creed, which has a totally different meaning altogether. Especially if you're from the '80s, all right. But as Isaiah's middle name is Nation. N a s h o n. We left out one letter as it's spelled in Scripture. But nation was a leader of the tribe of Judah, and when Israel uh, would break camp to travel, nation and the tribe of Judah were always the tribe and the leader uh, that would lead the way. And so, nation was to believe was believed to be the first feet, the first foot in the water uh, when the Jordan, when God performed the miracle and parted the Jordan River when it was at flood stage. And so, in Hebrew history. The name nation came to mean instigator or starter. And that is definitely our son. (laughs) Living up to his name. Paul was an instigator, a conversation instigator. Matter of fact, Isaiah, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but your brother, your older brother took him to a park when he was about five years old, when we were living in a mission house, maybe four, and timed. There was a playground there with kids on it. And so my son let him out like, or walked him down there and he set a timer and he timed him. It took him 58 seconds to make a friend and start playing a game of Isaiah's choice, of course. 58 seconds, all right, that's the instigator. <laughs> Church, listen, there may be some, you may not be an instigator by nature, but you may need to have some important conversations that you haven't had. You know, you may need to instigate that. I don't know what those conversations are but I guarantee you there's a doctrine behind it and no 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 it has nothing to do with doctrine It has to do with family well there's a lot of doctrine about family no it has to do with forgiveness that's a doctrine peace and resolution that's doctrine rebuke and teaching doctrine resolve and faithfulness in the face of trials and false teaching that's doctrine all good conversations are based on truth And doctrine and you want truth and so you may need to seek out some relationships and have some conversations are you sensitive to the spirit of God in first Corinthians 8 and again in Romans 14 Paul addresses an issue of their day what was happening is is people were eating meat that was left over from idol worship they were selling the leftover meat in the markets and some people were getting mad about it you know because some people in the church were eating it and some people weren't And so Paul has this big conversation like, look, you can eat whatever you want, but don't cause anybody to stumble, right? That's where we get all our passages about don't causing others to stumble from 1 Corinthians 8 and Romans 14. But he wraps all that up in verse 23. He says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, right? The point is there are things that pop up in the lives of believers that are not written in black and white in scripture. Should I have TikTok on my phone? How much time should I spend on my phone? (laughs) Should I take this job? Should I buy that house? Should I date this person? Should I listen to that music? Should I drink this drink or eat that food? In the end, if it doesn't go against scripture, it may be okay, but what is the Holy Spirit prompting your heart to do? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit guide you to wise conversations? Paul was. He was prompted to prompt a meeting to discuss an extremely important doctrine, which leads to number three, his resolve. I've had people leave this church in the last four years that, were, that had been here for years, not, not necessarily out of anger. Some moved away. Some wanted a different style of worship, but some left because of doctrine, right? And to the best of my memory, I can say in those cases, I met or at least tried to meet with those people privately. And by privately, I mean in my office with Lynn in the next room, our secretary. That doesn't mean that I'm a great pastor. (laughs) I want to be, but sometimes I don't even want to try, right? Meaning I don't want to let people go. I want them to understand scripture. I want desperately to talk through things with them and have a conversation. And it hurts to not bend doctrine. Right. It hurts to not do a wedding that may not be biblical. It hurts for me to say no to people. It really does. Especially it hurts all of us when we have a heart for others to see the truth of God's word. But there's a there are doctrinal lines that we cannot cross. Paul says in Galatians 2 5 to them, we did not yield in submission to those false teachers even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. We're not doing this for ourselves so that we can kind of whip around our control. Paul's not saying, I'm not a Judaizer. I'm trying to help you. We did not yield. Paul's no, he says we, by the way. He doesn't say I didn't yield. He says we. Then in Galatians 2.11, Paul says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned, little hypocrite friend he's my friend I love him bless his heart (laughs) for before certain men came from James he was eating with the Gentiles but when they came he drew back and separated himself fearing the circumcision party and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel I snuck around behind closed doors and gossiped about all of them I'm sorry, that's not what it says. (laughs) When I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I I tweeted about it. I texted a friend and said, can you believe this? Let's pray. (laughs) Bless their heart. No, he said, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, How can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? That's hypocritical, brother. Paul sought peace. Now y'all need to see the truth behind what I'm saying here and what the Bible's saying. Paul sought peace, but he was also bold to say what needed to be said. And praise God, him and Peter were still friends. They didn't like duke it out and, and never speak again. He confronted him. They saw their sin and it was done simple Does that sound simple? Why does it have to be so complicated in our lives that we can't do this? Well, if we look at each other cross-eyed, well, you know, I saw a post the other day that said um, Back in 1980, I fell off my bike and skinned my knee and the reason I'm telling you this now is because we didn't have social media back then <laughs> Just wanted you to know of all my pain and suffering all right we must be resolved in our doctrine, but also resolved in our love for the lost and the sinful. We must trust God. Here it is. We have to trust God to speak to others. If you're not confronting, are you trusting? Church, people who don't want to talk through things with other people, right? People who seldom or never discuss things With their offender or perceived offender, or just to sort something out. Those are the same people who will gossip about the issues rather than confront them. They are the people who do not trust the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. And they are some of the most prideful believers in the church. They do not trust the revelation of God in others, so they seldom respond to the Spirit moving in their own lives. And thus, they have no desire for accountability. And people who have no desire for accountability, sure as heck, shouldn't be accountable, to holding you accountable. <laughs> That's one thing I love about our church. I can't say how big is too big uh, for Piperton, right? You know. But I, I think our church. Uh, I want us to keep growing. I want us to plant other churches but when we reach a place where we can't hold each other accountable and be approachable to one another, then that's too big for me. I know people have, I've served at churches that are 10 times larger than this church. Okay. And that's, it's neither here nor there, but I do think it was harder at those churches. And I know people have good reasons to go to other churches. I'm not describing what is a mega church or not a mega church, and what's sinful or not about it, right? God does great things at all size churches that are preaching the Bible and obeying it. But I am thankful for the accountability we have at our church. Some people don't like it. Some people don't want to. Some people take an offense when you say missed you last Sunday. I'm not condemning you for not being here. I'm just saying I noticed you were gone. <laughs> what do you mean? I was at a funeral. Dead gummit. I was on the lake. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's if they were truthful. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was with family on the lake by myself with a cold one in my hand. <laughs> Galatians 2.2. I went up because of a revelation. Paul wanted to make sure that he was on the same page with the other apostles right? And it did several things. It affirmed his own confidence in the gospel. It helped instigate a formal clarity that Gentiles didn't need to be Jews to trust Christ. And it helped in this argument right here. Paul valued private accountability, but he also valued public accountability right? And I'm not going to spend too much time here, but in Galatians 2, 3 through 5, Paul says, even Titus who was with me, I didn't make him get circumcised, but these other false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we may, we have in Christ so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, we did not yield. Now it's interesting to me that the false teachers want to hold others accountable to the law, but they have to sneak around to do it. They have to break their own law to force others to obey it. They like to incite slavery to the law, but they live as free as a bird. Let me ask you something. If the Judaizers' teaching is so powerful and so true and so life-changing, why do they got to sneak around to deliver it? you ever wonder that? Paul had biblical reasons for not circumcising Titus, and he wasn't hiding them. Honestly, I think what Paul did is I think he planted those Galatian churches in Acts chapter 13 and verse 14, and then he, he went and reported it and it got news spread of it. But there were little secret Judaizers in these churches and they found out about it and traveled all the way over there to sneak in and reconvert those new weak believers. Then the Judaizers are, get condemned by Paul. It's a crazy contrast. Paul's open book, open door policy versus the Judaizers' constant cunning and secrecy. You know, it's interesting to me that there's a Chinese company that owns TikTok, right? And they have to report by law uh, everything they have to the Chinese government. And it's interesting to me that they can literally access the keystrokes on our phone and we let them. We hit yes, yes, yes. We download those apps. Yet we don't want other Christians knowing our business. (laughs) It's kind of odd to me. It's actually worse than that. According to TechCrunch.com, a change to TikTok's U.S. privacy policy a year ago introduced a new section that says the social video app may collect biometric identifiers and biometric information from its users' content. This includes things like face prints, voice prints, the policy explained the biometric data collection details were introduced in the newly added section, image and audio information found under the heading of information we collect automatically in the policy. Now, I'm not saying Facebook and Instagram don't do the same things or that other one, you know, with a yellow thing that looks like a Pac-Man figure from the 1980s. What's that one? Snapper, snapper, chat, whatever. Anyway, my point is, I know it's Snapchat. I'm not as dorky as you think you are. Hey, listen, here's what's funny to me. We hit consent, consent, can I, I accept, I accept. You, who in here has ever read everything in there? I mean, there's probably two of you, maybe, right? We just hit accept, accept. Yeah, I take all my money and my information, and, you know? But then we're like, can you believe that preacher asked me where I was last Sunday? What in the world? Like, come on, China knows your keystrokes and you're worried about accountability. Whether it was private or public, Paul was ready to talk about this topic, right? He even gave public examples of not circumcising Titus and publicly rebuked Peter's hypocrisy. And what did all this transparency to talk things out privately and publicly result in? It resulted in the last point this morning, and that's personal affirmation. Galatians two verse seven through nine. When they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, you know the same God who worked in Peter's working also through me. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So. Paul's gospel was approved by other pillars in the church. But wait just a second. Wait, 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 wait. Just the other day, you said in Galatians 1 verse 10, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul said that and now he's like seeking approval of man. Uh, uh, Wait just a second. I think the best way to understand this is that Paul didn't need their approval, but he sought it and submitted to it. In Ephesians 5.21, Paul says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Did y'all know that Ephesians 5.22 goes all into wives and husbands submitting to each other? I think it's very intentional that Paul put submission in verse 21 before he ever started talking about husbands and wives because it ain't just about husbands and wives. Submission is about the faith. It's about believers submitting to one another in service, in love, in humility, in rebuke, in teaching. And I think Paul made it a point to do that. Paul was an example of submission to the gospel of Jesus and to the other apostles he likened to himself and so he seeks approvals that he didn't need which demonstrates his humble desire to keep unity but hold the doctrinal line of grace through faith hey church Paul says hey you come at me any way you want search me I'm not saying I'm perfect I mean he says in Romans 7 I'm very much not perfect the things I don't want to do I still do the things I want to do I don't do who I'm a wretched man he says He considered himself the worst sinner. But he's like, he also says to the Galatians, listen, I'm not sneaky like those Judaizers. I'm not trying to sneak around and hide anything. I'm not trying to control you with laws that don't save. My life is public and privately accountable. And it's filled with meaningful relationships who give approval to my reputation, my walk, and my gospel and the profound effect it's had on both my life and others. Are you transparent with others so that they can literally vouch for you? You know, you talk about people all the time. Yeah, I know him, but you know, you get references or whatever. Yeah, I mean, we're just, I mean, we're, we're acquaintances. I don't really know him. I pray that we as Christians would live a life so that people really know us. Right? It, we're living in a VR world and we need to make sure that we have a sincere, genuine relationship with Christ and others. I value deep relationships are you accountable to anyone on this earth I'll tell you the people that I love the most are the people that stick a finger in my chest and say what do you think you're doing I actually love them the most (laughs) they're some of my greatest friends of course now I'm preaching at a church that's filled with people that'll stick their fingers in my chest (laughs) and I love it I love it. Paul was accountable, and it served to validate the truth and power of the gospel. We're all going to be accountable one day, but I hope we'll be accountable on earth as well. Would you stand? Father God, we love you. And we know we're going to be accountable to you. One day every knee shall bow and shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We are going to do that. That is a promise. Lord, uh, but we need accountability here. And I don't mean in an awkward cult-like sense where we control each other, but I mean in a um, being a little vulnerable in what we share with others and, and who we share it with, of course. We don't want to cast precious things before people who will not respect them and pray for them, but will only gossip about them. We want to be people who guard the things we hear well, but we also want to be open books. So Lord, help us like Paul to be able to validate the gospel with an open life. Lord, some of the greatest cynics I've ever seen have come to know the Lord through the openness and transparency of believers who are the same no matter who they're in front of. And I pray we could be a people, a church that's like that. I believe we're well on our way. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they would become accountable to you today, that they would surrender their hearts to you and say, God, I am yours. Forgive my sin and save my soul. Give me eternal life. Give me peace and joy that passes understanding. And I pray for others that need to make this church family their home there. Lord, I know it may not be in Scripture written to walk down an aisle and join a church. But for us in our culture, Lord, it's a way to say, hey, I want to serve here. And I pray if you're leading people to do that, they do that today. We ask these things in Jesus' name.